0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome—or should I say, welcome back—to the Indie Football Podcast. My name is Ed Malian, and I am here today. For the return. How long is it since you've been in the studio, Miguel Delaney? Uh, I think four or five weeks. Four or five weeks. Uh four or five weeks where we've been inundated with messages saying, Where is Miguel? Please tell me he's never coming back and then you're here. So uh, what have you been doing? Loads of football journalism. Loads of football journalism. Really good answer. Jack Pitbrook, Hi welcome I'm, back. How are you? you?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm very well, thanks. You, you've not been shirking as much as Miguel, so you have been here. I, been, I can't remember when I was last in here. Last, last This week, is not as it? nice. No, la, la, week oh contraire. Last, last weekend's podcast, oh. Miguel and I recorded from the rooftop of our hotel in Seville, and it was soundtracked by the clopping of horses' hooves on the cobbled street outside. Lovely. This is not as nice. I'm sorry, Ed.
1: Uh, but, uh, no, it isn't as nice. Uh, we are in London, but the action that we're going to be talking about, uh, took place about a mile and a half up the road, uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United, which is probably, let's face it, the biggest story in English football this weekend. So, Miguel, do you want to get going with your thoughts on... Uh, what? I've got to be honest, I thought it was a good day for Jose Mourinho.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. Despite conceding a last-minute equaliser, I tell, United responded well, performed well. I think there were more positives than negatives despite that. And he even, he even got to, you know... Be the bigger man in, uh, in a
1: little... Contest. Well, there's, <laughs> you know, the, the, the little man, uh, as, as Conte called him, right? You've you know, to, uh, to be magnanimous. You know, he, you know, I apologise, I've accepted the apology. He was in the right. He was in the right. He, well, he was in the right. Um, right. Um, the Chelsea coach, inexplicably, <laughs> just absolutely going for him in the celebration at the end there. I stupidly uh, turned it off on about 85 minutes. Uh, Jack Brook you did the same. Uh,
0: yeah, I was at the London Stadium and... at. It- uh, on about 92 minutes, I thought, oh, this is done, isn't it? I'm going to do the long, slow journey up to the press box. And I got there, checked Twitter, and it all kicked off. Yeah. So, what do you have to say, actually? go on. As well.
2: I still don't think Chelsea are that good. Do
0: you think they've been carried by Hazard?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Um, like Obviously, you can see what they're trying to do. And I think Sarri's obviously a very good manager. And ultimately, it's promising and good. But I think they're still some way off. The best Sari footballer we know. I mean, for all the talk of Sarri ball, they're not really playing it yet. They're a bit loose at the back. They're not. I mean, that's just one thing I expected. I thought United would sit deep because, and Chelsea would struggle to open them. But then, of course, United conceded yet another set piece and it kind of forced United out. And that's one thing about United now as well, basically. It, if he, basically, it, it, it feels like it needs to require circumstances rather than a plan to bring out their best game. And, and like they've thrived in chaos twice now. Um. But yeah, so like on the whole, then I think they're just if regard, they was still more positive. You can see there's more; the can actually be more to United in that way.
0: But do you think they can ever get like regularity, United, given uh, that, given what you just said?
2: I mean, ultimately, it's hard to escape the kind of wider context, which is that we think that Mourinho will likely go at the end of the season.
1: You think so? Yeah. Well, there was some you- some murmurs out of uh, Madrid, which is a story I guess we should get onto later on. Yeah. That that he is. Interesting, Florentino Perez. Um, I, I I don't know if that makes. I mean, I actually think it does make sense for him in many ways. I think if if he if I was in Mourinho's shoes, sensing the the direction that things are heading at Manchester United, I would be doing everything I could to try and entice Florentino.
2: Given how bad and out of out of his control things looked, say three weeks ago from Mourinho, two weeks ago. Yeah, it's creditable the way he's managed to turn this situation. Now it feels like he's the one in control, and he 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 could he could set it now.
0: It's, it's funny because it, when they were two 0 down to Newcastle, it felt very kind of November 2015. Yeah, whereas n- since then, it doesn't feel as much
1: like that, does it? Yeah. Well, the the, the the Newcastle result came back did well. The Chelsea result came back and did well. And I and I, I mean they exactly. So what my my kind of rough thoughts on the game? Uh, I have to. I wasn't I wasn't there. I was just watching on TV. But I was close enough that I could hear the. I heard the the crowd when they scored um, through the window. They are Man United far too passive. Basically, yeah. and that first half. The first half was really just just unimpressive. Just incredibly unimpressive.
2: You have a fundamental problem there as well. And, and uh, to be fair, this isn't completely on Mourinho. Given that when you appoint Mourinho, maybe you've got to build a team that he wants. But there's this clash between the profile of the squad and what he wants to do with them so they're not built for his his ideal football which is a solid base counter attacking they don't have a solid base i mean he tried yes. to sit back on 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 saturday and even another goal from a set piece. and they've they've got so, they've got so many at the very least promising attackers that you could do so much more with
1: but he is managing right he thinks like it, it, there's it's almost a, a paradox within the way that Mourinho likes to play is that he likes rigid Kind of uh, players who are going to perform the exact tasks you ask and all that sort of stuff, but he's he's at the level now where he coaches at clubs where they have to buy superstars yeah. and it's superstar elite attacking talents, right? So then it's like, okay, well that's fine because Mourinho presumably will coach this team, so it's defensively solid, and then the elite attacking players, the talent, will create stuff out of nothing. And I mean, even like the, so, the goal that Martial scored, which by the way is great finish. Um, terrific touch he kind of takes it on his thigh and then volleys home but I mean that goal is, is very agricultural really isn't it <laughs> yeah. you know it, it's kind of it's some long ball stuff and it's broken <laughs> play.
0: Miguel you, you were talking about uh, Martial's positioning before the game and during the game what did you make of what did you make of his role and his I performance?
2: Mean, I suppose he, he's a player that needs that kind of freedom I mean I think this again coming back down to suppose how Mourinho manages and that the ultimate problem with someone like Martial is basically and I think why is it so difficult to be like the same with Rashford they players that need a bit of space to breathe so they inevitably I think at the start of runs or, and because 'cause they're age they're going to have like one good game maybe two kind of medium games in a row but then Mourinho immediately hooks them and also he puts these I mean you see from the United's first half where the main the main requirement of the attackers it wasn't so much to sit deep but it was basically to kind of block off what their, what their, their Chelsea opposite numbers are doing so we had Madden marking Jorginho you had um, Martial kind of trying to pin aspen Equator back. It Rashford way back on, on Alonso. Um, then in the second half, when they had a chase game, there's obviously more space. Yeah. And also they're putting a Chelsea p- defense under pressure. that isn't That it, it, it doesn't do well under pressure yet, um, as good as some of those players like W.W.S. are on the ball. Um, and we saw what, Rash- what Martial is capable of. That's a bit, bit football he's, is not it? But what he's capable of.
0: He justified his selection. <laughs> do you think that we will... Do you think this will signal any change in Martial's role or Marci- like what Martial does in the team going forward?
2: Um it's no. <laughs> I mean, ultimately it's still impossible to get away from this dynamic where this pattern will continue. He'll, he'll continue he have got a, an odd one game in five was not enough for Mourinho. I don't mind you, that's two in a row now to be fair. Uh, if, he, if he can get a run of confidence, or get a run redevelops his confidence. You, you would hope we see the, the true march out, but I'm just not sure how possible, like, how possible it is.
0: Bigger picture, do you still think United will continue to go kind of one step forward, two steps back, um, or one I mean, step forward, one step back rather? Yeah, maybe for the next and two and months. step
2: forward, and one back.
0: Oh well, <laughs> you, you, you think the, the general I, trend will be upwards? I,
2: don't, I think to be fair, for uh, uh, let's be like um, the morning of Newcastle game, halftime of Newcastle game. Completely expected this, RIP. Yeah, yeah. This, this is over, and I think there, I mean, we, we, we do. I wouldn't be entirely sure it's down to any connection Mourinho has with the squad, but I think there is a credit deserved for everyone there that that's two responses they put in in really difficult circumstances in the And at Chelsea, say, 2015 16, that just wouldn't happen. One thing I was thinking is do,
0: it, it, it does suggest that the United players have more like individually and collectively, mm-hmm. they have more pride in. Basically, not being shit yeah, than yeah. that Chelsea team did three years ago, yeah. who were completely happy to debase themselves to get rid of the manager, yeah, as, as well they as have b- been over the years. As
2: well as yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the, rela- the relationship between you know, the United players and Mourinho, which is awkward, and not many them particularly like him, or, or, or been enjoying the two years, especially because how changeable his moods can be. Uh, but it's it's just nowhere near how broken it was at Chelsea.
0: Yeah, what uh, Chelsea going forward? Do you think? Do you think it's like a gelling issue and in a few months' time they'll be better? Or do you think that they need additions, especially in defence, to be able to make this sort of Anna, Anna's number nine,
1: to no, be able to make this work.
2: I, I, think, I think they can. Well, Murata's a problem.
1: Um, I think that was the most obvious thing from watching them is if they had a striker, yeah. if, they, if they had a goal scorer. Because uh, you look at who did well for Napoli under Sarri, having Higuain, who's just yeah. a finisher. And he's just a finisher. But because they play so much of their game in the opposition half and because they have the ball and they, they create these chances where you just need a guy who's just going to snap it on yeah. Morata is not that guy like he's, he, he's not looked like that guy at all you'd rather have almost like a it's a bit like when Spain were kind of choosing between Morata and Paco Alcacer yeah. you'd much rather have a, have a Paco than a Morata in this spot right Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean it's self-restrainting Morata because basically he's got everything bar the mentality it seems because he, he's really talented um, I, I did hear, I just talked to someone who connected Chelsea since then, but he's saying that a lot of the talk around the club is now that he, he looks almost worse than Torres was, and he, he went there like this, it's that bad. But without the excuse
0: of like burnout. I mean, he's I mean, like Torres I, 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 at the I, I, age of 23. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. I mean, T- Torres played so much football by then, and really it was that, it was that injury at Liverpool before, when, he, when he tried to get himself fifth for the World Cup. Yeah. He never felt the same after that.
1: Murata reminds me a little of Andre Gomes when he went to Barcelona or something, or a player who just—they look like they, they there is not—I can see no way in which they get it back without leaving the club and leaving the club change, go somewhere else, go somewhere where you're going to be happier. Like it doesn't look like it's going to work.
2: Is it, it, he suited to being the same he was at Real Madrid because it's just less pressure. I mean, it means yeah. it, it could have flipped the situation rather than being a player who all the onus is on and he's expected to do it. He's someone then. It's the reverse where he comes on and, you know, if you get something, it's a bonus or he, or he saves them rather than kind of, you know. Even them.
0: when he was at Juve, he was, he was, like, the, there wasn't that much onus on him. They always had, like, yeah. Tevez, Llorente, other other, yeah. other other more experienced centre forwards who yeah. could be the main man.
1: Yeah. I think he'd be interesting. I think he'd be interesting if you were playing, you know, we've seen more teams play almost like a four-four-two, where you've got, like, the split strikers. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast where... Um, You know, like Lucas Moura playing with Harry Kane is basically like a Sheringham was back in the day. And I think Murata's role is probably that. He's really good at linking up, dropping dropping in and linking up. He's good, you know, he's good with the ball at his feet, but he just doesn't seem to have any sort of... Then, like, when the ball comes to him, he doesn't ever seem to be, like, kind of thinking, how can I turn towards goal? You never see him kind of, like... When a player gets a ball in the positions, he gets it. Which is often within, like, three, four yards of the penalty area, back to goal... How many times do you see him try and roll the defender? Oh, yeah, which is, which I think is a basic basic <laughs> element of, of yeah. the role he's playing. is is The defender has to be scared that you're going to try and go yeah. beyond him. And, and a lot of that's just uh, how you use your body. And like we've seen a lot of strikers who are very, very good at that. I mean, Diego Costa was an absolute genius at it. Where you put your body between the defender and the ball. And if you feel like you've got that solid base and you've got the defender, then... When the ball comes, you can either let it roll right or you can let it roll left. They have to be scared that you're going to go in behind to allow you to then actually cut back and, and maybe just think the ball lay the ball off to someone. If they're not afraid of penetration, uh, if I can't if they're not afraid if they're not afraid you're going to go beyond them. If they're not if they're not afraid you're going to go beyond them, then it's like it's too one dimensional. So with Morata, he's playing with his back to goal, but with no. He doesn't look like he wants to score point, goals, yeah. does he? He doesn't yeah. look like he wants to get in the box. He, he, and that's,
0: the- he reminds me of the legend, Big Vinny Anson, who is, I mean, with all due respect, the worst striker I've ever seen, uh, and not someone who ever looked like he wanted to score a goal. Like he just, he would always be someone He would always, he would never get in the box. He would never make runs. He would always come short, lay the ball off. Would never turn and run in behind. Oh,
2: there is kind of an interesting dynamic there. I was just thinking, as Ed was saying it his confidence. But, well, before, when Murado was meant to go to United or Chelsea that summer, I did a piece where I spoke to a lot of people who knew him in his background. And I talked about the type of character he was in that. And if you think about it, I mean, to get to this level of football, you need a fairly fierce mental resilience to, to get past all the various barriers. As well as that, he's obviously, he, he made his name as a striker, he used to kind of score goals at that level. So, where where does the switch come in? How,
1: how right, but is, is he not the sort of kid who's the equivalent of like... <laughs> Uh, you know someone who's just, just born born rich, just, just had everything in life, just got parachuted into, oh, I went to work with his dad in, dad's investment oh, yeah, bank, and now has like 200 grand, whatever. I'm looking at this guy and I'm, I'm saying, came through the Real Madrid Academy, mm-hmm. first move from Real Madrid, uh, having basically played a, a sub-role, was to Juve. Yeah. Goes back to Real Madrid, gets flogged for an absolute fortune to Chelsea. You know, I guess it's one of those things where like where where is his hard test come? Like it's not like he, he had three seasons on alone at Alaves or anything.
0: But even in the Madrid Academy, he will have had to he would basically have been selected over hundreds of other boys yeah. weren't he every year. But because like is, there's no talent gap there, really.
1: Yeah. I mean he's clearly phenomenally talented, like even just like his, his first touch is excellent, you know. Yeah yeah. That's the thing is you can see how good a player he is, how good a footballer he is. But, yeah, it, it's almost like sometimes you see a player with, with a clear mental block. Um, I, I remember seeing Patrick Bamford a couple of years ago and thinking, like, God, that guy needs to go somewhere else. And, you know, it happens in, in different positions as well. Uh, let's say Andre Gomes at Barcelona needed to get out. Uh, Alex McCarthy um, is another one in goal. And I think Morata is that. I think Chelsea with, you know, I, I, I was... Getting a tra- I was actually getting a train from uh, Fulham Broadway pretty soon after the Chelsea game and there were a lot of fans obviously on there and, and I heard the name Lewandowski four times just out of the blue yeah. if they had someone like Lewandowski this team would be completely different yeah. just under- But saw- they, although he was crap last time I saw him for Bayern
2: I saw a friend of the podcast Duncan Alexander um, great man he, uh, put a, he put some tweet up yesterday with the amount of clear chances that Chelsea have given up compared, oh, yeah, compared yeah. to Liverpool and, and, and City so they, there has been a a, had a bit of luck <laughs> where they are
1: yeah, I think, I think well Kepa's played well actually I mean no one's really talked about it and he was very expensive yeah. but he's a good goalkeeper
2: uh, I was at Sarri's press conference on Friday and he was asked about Morada and I think when a lot of managers say this it's a line I don't think it's a line with Sarri's to be true because I'm not, I'm not thinking about the market now because he is focused and basically just training work which is why I'd have hope for Chelsea but I think there's some way off
0: what do you? Sorry, just back to Murata. What what sort of what do you think Murata needs needs to do? Do you think it is beyond hope that he could work at Chelsea? Um, or do you think he needs to go to a different environment, a less challenging maybe, environment? Maybe,
2: maybe because I mean you would maybe, give him a few a few more months under Sarri, Sari, maybe just because of because of what he's trying to do, and you never know, might like, click at some point. But yeah, it, it does feel as if it's one of those. You just need the change. Um, playing playing a double
1: and, and the thing with someone like Morata is, like if you, so if you're Chelsea, I want to mention they spent seven million euros or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you're trying to get as much of that investment back as you can. And so you're looking to places where his value is going to be higher. So I'm looking at maybe Valencia or Atletico Madrid and you try and engineer some sort of swap deal so you lose less of what you... Right. So, you know, if you really like Rodrigo at Valencia, you try and come up with some sort of deal where you get Rodrigo, they get Morata yeah. and both sides are going to be happy... Maybe Atletico Madrid, you, you really like one of their midfielders. They've got a lot of good midfielders now. And it, it might be a position that where, where Atletico are willing to sell because they. it's a club that permanently needs to balance the books. So, yeah, if you can get a Saul, if you can get, I mean, I doubt you can get Rodri but, or Coke or, or any of those lads in there, Thomas party. even, this is like the sort of deal I'd try and engineer because I, otherwise you're going to make a huge loss on Morata. Um, and the other thing to do is just stick with him and hope it changes. But he does, as we said, seem like a guy who needs a change of scenery.
2: Yeah. One thing, he's obviously definitively won the battle with Lukaku from the summer of 2017. But, look, it's Lukaku a bit of a problem as well. Like, I mean, he's, for someone to score so often, he misses so many big chances, particularly in those games.
1: He does miss a
0: lot of chances. But Do you think the overall number of goals that he scores obscures the fact that he's not good enough? Do you think he's very easy? It's very easy. To, it's very, it's sorry, very easy do think to, he is not good enough for Man United? Then? I think he's good enough for United, like in their current iteration, which is not very good. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. But for like a kind of idealized, better Manchester United, he's not good enough for that.
1: Well, and I think the problem is that it, uh, I guess that going into the season, you're thinking like Man United centre forwards, right? You got so you got Lukaku, who's probably the first choice in most games. You can play Sanchez for the middle. You know, he's a proven Premier League. I think you could have played
0: someone when this someone someone. someone Made that argument to me the other day, and I think it would have been true of like 2015, Alexis Sanchez. But well, I no, think
1: well, this, is, this was going to be my point. Is right, yeah. exactly this is so the guy that you thought was going to be the the. It's almost like you know if Lukaku's first choice like one A, then Sanchez should have been one B. You know, there shouldn't be a huge drop off between those two. But the problem is that it's just not the case. Yeah, Sanchez has not right. looked good. Has not looked like even like fit or or normal. He doesn't look like the player we know. So. When they when they're robbed of that, you basically got Lukaku, or, or you can play Martial or Rashford, but Mourinho repeatedly kind of tries to avoid playing Martial or Rashford as a centre forward for whatever reason. City
2: must feel like have felt they got out of jail in that one. <laughs> Thank you, Manchester United.
1: You know. <laughs> that would well, been, I mean, that would be a good piece, wouldn't it?
0: The kind of alternative still, uh, history of City signing Sanchez, Sanchez being rubbish, yeah. Sanchez tanking that City
1: team like <laughs> like Rodney Marsh in 1975. <laughs> And um, oh, he'd just be on the bench, <laughs> though, wouldn't he? They'd just be playing Foden and yeah. whoever, you know. Well,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Pe- Pep wouldn't have indulged him. Well. I mean, no. because even in 09 10 with Barca, how quickly you realise doesn't suit his team. And also, yeah. it's
1: amazing how much better you you look when you're getting like served up five chances, right, like three yards yeah. from goal. Yeah. Whereas Lukaku and Sanchez at Man United certainly haven't had that luxury. It
2: was, you know, um, did something with. Uh, for a friend of the party he, right recently and he was going on about we are talking about those great Man United teams that as a striker every single one envied Ferguson's Manchester United because the amount of chances you know you're going to get
1: Van Nistelrooy I mean like, you know I know he was great at getting into the right positions and stuff but yeah. they were always putting the chances there for him to score um, and, and it's the same Like even like when had Berbatov and players like that you know Berbatov is much a creator I guess as well but it, it, it is true you kind of look at that if you were a centre-forward, you'd love to play for Manchester City right now yeah. like because of the amount of chances you're getting served up. Playing for Liverpool would be different because you've got to kind of work so hard to get them. Yeah, yeah. If you're a lazy, lazy centre-forward like myself, uh, then, then you'd want to do that. Um, anything else you want to say on Man United? Chelsea, which, as I say, I thought it was a good day for Mourinho. I thought United in the second half were by miles the better team. But Chelsea mm-hmm. didn't come out for the second half. Um, and, yeah, it's two fight-back wins that... Yeah, I think Gary Gary Neville said um, before the Chelsea equaliser. Actually, Gary Neville said, "You know, this puts to bed all talk of, of, of the dressing room not fighting for the manager." Which I, I I never think you can draw that exact conclusion, especially because what if Chelsea had come back and scored two at that point, you know? But there is um, certainly enough fight in this Manchester United team to suggest that they're not going to fall away and die right now.
2: One that I was thinking of this even yesterday, where, uh, uh, watching Everton Palace, but and maybe this, this is for, for a media publication that is obviously selling interesting stories is the Premier League already if, I, I, it feels like the table's a bit set because I think
1: T- tell me tell me tell me how you, your do table the table's Like,
0: throat is yeah. sorted already
2: City will win by about 10 points I don't think Liverpool, Liverpool will be good but I ultimately don't think they have enough about them to sustain it for a season uh, they'll finish second uh, Spurs third Chelsea fourth uh, I think United will get back together but maybe we'll fifth or sixth I don't think Arsenal are good enough
1: yet to have four. United are still seven points off. <laughs> no, which,
2: which in, in, I mean, actually, Lillian Liam Tom, to me. who's a...
1: Uh, ESPN's Chelsea correspondent, yeah.
2: He was He was paying, like He made the point last season. Chelsea had that dip, got, got, uh, fell off about that much, and just could never recover it. It was just too much to make up. Especially because you, you don't just need one team to slip, you need two. Yeah. Well,
1: The thing is City and Liverpool as well. City and Liverpool are just going to keep winning games. Uh, neither of them have, have lost yet. Chelsea still haven't lost, of, of course.
2: Spurs, Spurs have a really good um, Spurs, yeah.
1: reliability S- bit. Spurs have won many games to as Man City and Liverpool, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Tottenham have been really good. They've won four in a row yeah. in the league. They've won seven out of nine. Oh, of course, you were at Spurs West Ham. I was, I was, it was a really bad game. I can say, I can say that now. It was um, It was really boring. Um, it was also a <laughs> really bad atmosphere. Like that, that is traditionally a really good should game. It should be a big game, yeah. Because yeah. the two sets of fans absolutely hate each other. And it's usually on TV. And I remember there was—I remember going to a brilliant one. In um, it's almost a bubble game. Usually, there was one, isn't it? In, yeah. There was one in 2012, 13, when Tottenham won 3-2, and Bale scored from 30 yards in the last minute. That was brilliant. There was one in yeah 2015 in 2015-16, I think, when uh, West Ham won 1-0 at Upton Park. It was the last one of that game at Upton Park, and there was only like three or four games left at Upton Park. Uh, and it was when Spurs were really going for the title. And West, it was one of those like billich West Ham performances where everyone Mm. played above themselves. There was one last year, I think, where I think West Ham won 1-0 last season. No, they won 1-0 as well in 2016-17. Lanzini Lanzini scored, and that killed the the second Tottenham title challenge. Uh, I can't actually remember what happened in that game last season. There was also the one at White Hart Lane where Ravel Morrison scored.
1: Oh yeah, I think I was that last year. I'm not, I'm not sure listing every West Ham Tottenham game from the last uh, six years is is great audio. Well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Let's give it a go. But, but, but t- t- tell us more about Saturday.
0: Well, unfortunately, that that listing those games would be better than an in-depth discussion Saturday. Because Saturday was rubbish. Like there was no, I think maybe because it was Saturday three o'clock, there wasn't much tension. Um, West Ham. It's uh, best deserve it. Yeah, uh, just about. I think West Ham had some good chance... Like, Arnautovic forced three saves from Lloris in the second half. But I was never... I mean, West Ham looked unbalanced. They... uh, I still wasn't that impressed with them. Uh, I don't think they've got the right... I don't think they've got the right combination midfield. Uh, Even without Wilshere, they missed Obiang. You shouldn't play Yarmolenko and Snodgrass and... um, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, The guy they had playing left attacking midfield. Um...
1: I'll find it. Felipe Carry Anderson, on. who was terrible,
0: absolutely terrible. Uh, yes, Tatyana I mean, Molenko has torn his Achilles. Yeah, going to be out for a long bad time. bad injury. Uh, I was, whereas I thought that Tottenham, with Tottenham, never really had to play that well, but they were pretty solid. The Tottenham also have a lot of injuries. There's Novatonga, no, no Ali. Eriksson came on at the end, uh, so they're far from their best at the moment. But uh, Sissoko played well. Uh, Sissoko produced a very good assist for Lamella's goal. Lamella contributes again his fifth goal of the season. Uh I think he's he's playing really well at the moment. I've always, been a, the coke, I've always been a Lamella fan. Uh but oh. i I think he's kind of improved his game. Like he's he's making more late runs into the box. Like he used to be just someone who like scurry around fouling people and then pull off a Rabona. Whereas <laughs> I think he's a bit more um, he's yep. a bit more he's a bit more effective now, he's a bit more like team oriented. There are two massive Lamella fans in this room, and Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> um I think so. I think he's a bit more team focused, and he could actually he could have scored more goals because he's getting in positions all the time. Um, s- didn't think Kane was particularly good, but you know they didn't need Eriksen, they didn't need Kane, so that was impressive.
2: It feels like, probably related to the injuries to Ali and Eriksen, say, but it feels like Spurs have lost a little bit of their fizz. But in place that have a real kind of reliability, they're another team with a kind of winning rhythm. They've, they've learned to do it.
0: Yeah, they've, they've learned to win ugly. It's funny, like this is they're playing at the moment, I think they're playing worse football than they have done at any point since Pochettino. Like I don't think I don't think they've played well this year, like not well in the way that they used to play well, you know, when, you know, last year, or even more so two years ago, Spurs would present would like present these massive like energetic performances where they would just wipe the other team off the face of the earth and win like four Right, yeah, from about November, December onwards, right? Yeah. So may- maybe it'll start soon. But this year, they haven't done that at all. And you can point to the stadium or signings or injury fit- fitness or transfers or whatever. But they they are not doing that. But they're doing something else. And, they're and you know, it's, it's working look enough. at the table. Yeah. Like, it's working really well. And I think that maybe that's just the fact that being in the fourth season with a manager is actually an incredibly privileged thing to be in the Premier League. Like, How many other teams are in that position? Well, you can almost
1: sleepwalk to those performances. Yeah, like they found a kind of... There is an automation process almost ongoing. Um, well, yeah, I just want to say, uh, we won't bother previewing it probably, but Arsenal play Leicester tonight. Leicester are the most boom or bust team in the league. they won four and lost four of their eight games. But Arsenal, with a win, would go level with Spurs and Chelsea. Um, I know we're not convinced by them yet, but they aren't out of it. Uh, and we are slaves to the XG um, Miguel, especially. Let's go yeah, back. Can't, can't, can't get enough of it. <laughs> let's let let's board a Ryanair flight. Let's um let let's call out the racist passenger on board, and let's head to Madrid. Um, oh, I, I, you see, you saw the video, right? The to Madrid it was Barcelona. Yeah, um, actually, you probably came from Stansted or Southend or something. Um, but anyway, uh, good aviation knowledge from you. Um. Ryanair to Madrid where Hulen Lopetegi well, I, like I wouldn't say he's an Arsen Wenger, he's a bit of an arse. Um but <laughs> City fan, not gonna hear anything bad said about him. <laughs> Hulen Lopetegi your favourite <laughs> your favourite person. Um <laughs> I will never forget the things you were saying about him on the twelfth of June twenty eighteen, when we were in Moscow. Um he <laughs> <laughs> torpedoed now, again I, so i'm gonna from the outset dispute what you're probably gonna say he did not torpedo spain's world cup campaign the spanish football federation torpedoed their world cup campaign by sacking him on the spot wait, 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 i wait. know you think it was the right choice but you're wrong and they well, were I wrong that that they gave no, no that that's wait. absolutely not true not right they, they so they, they spent years building up to that absolute pinnacle and it's like okay what we're going to do is just before the end we're going to throw off the coach and hire someone who is just a chimp in a suit basically in Fernando Hierro utterly dreadful and then what happens they they fail get knocked out by Russia of all teams Lopetegui arrives at Real Madrid lots of pressure now you've got to do well pal you've got to do well by the way you haven't got Cristiano Ronaldo I'm not going to sign anyone big and now they're on well they went on the worst streak without scoring a goal in the history of Real Madrid really football Um, and what's that, five without a win? Yeah. Now, after losing 2-1 yeah. to... Uh, who do they play at the weekend? Someone terrible. Levante. Levante. Having already lost to Alaves um, just before the break. They've got Victoria Piltzen in the Champions League. But at this point, exactly. And then, I, I mean, we wrote last week that it, the key game was, for them was going to be the Clasico this weekend. Um, and it sounds like, I mean... Even if he makes it to the weekend, he might not make it to Monday. Yeah. So, what, what do you think?
2: Um, well, first of all, I, the one thing, I mean, imagine being on his position, I suppose. This could have been the greatest years of his life, or a, a great career of his football career. And I said he's arguably completely really sculled himself at the top level. Um, but, uh, but the one thing, I was talking to someone who connected to Madrid last night, and they were saying, this thing of Perez in general, that when he wants someone like that, and it's, he's, he's, he's absolutely ruthless in that way, and he, he's very much a kind of dictator over that club. In that he when, he when he wants someone, and this is one of the reasons they didn't get De Gea, because De Gea never submitted to the media campaigns or the kind of want-away campaigns in the way Madrid would have idealised. But Perez basically demands, and it's one of the reasons I, I think ultimately that Spain decided to dispense with the that he demands you go all in for them. You have to commit every it, it, it's Madrid or nothing. It's and it's 100% Madrid. And then as soon as things go wrong, uh, Perez will so readily discard you. Um, there's a lot of talk basically that they don't think and he's up to, up to the level. And I think one thing about him was he was just one of those coaches that suited the circumstances of international football um, and suited that team because you don't, you don't need to do as much, but he kind of found nice kind of technical shapes and all the rest of it. Uh, do you remember we were in Chelsea 25th? In Porto. Porto in Chelsea, yeah. And well, They beat Chelsea that game. Like,
0: uh? They did, they did. But th- it was quite easy to beat Chelsea at that point. Yeah, yeah. And he was really boring, so yeah. I've always held that against him. <laughs> what do you, like is it anything specifically he's done wrong or is he the wrong sort of character or to be
1: fair to him the situation's a joke yeah, well, come on
2: I, I was told that one reason Zidane I mean even beyond the fact that Zidane was on the verge of being sacked before the last six, 16 game last season one of the reasons Zidane decided to leave was because he knew that team has reached the end of its cycle that there's too many players in yeah, the 30s yeah. he knew they are going to sell Ronaldo though, and that they weren't going to properly replace him
1: the journalists that know Zidane have actually written this weekend that, that Zidane saw this coming. Yeah, um, really. Like, literally, like in those words, Zidane saw this coming. And kind of That's why he wanted out. We all, he said at the time, we said in the summer, this is going to be a difficult job for whoever takes it on. Um, and that was before they've even sold Ronaldo. And I think, I mean, he, he,
2: this is the other thing with Ronaldo saying, I suppose, why it came at a particularly bad point, actually, for Madrid, even though we all thought in the summer, maybe it's the right time to get rid of him, but especially given events. Um, well, even if your team is underperforming and you have a 40-goal-a-season striker, so he'll bail you out so much. Yeah. And that, that's what happened with Real Yeah, yeah. They play awfully. Oh, and here's Ronaldo, 70 minutes ago. Well,
1: well, that's the thing. is The perception about Ronaldo is scores in the big Champions League games and scores like four goals when they beat Alaves 6-0. But the reality actually was there were so many games when Real Madrid are like, struggling like 0-0 against against Rio Vallecano or something like that. And then he just pops up with like 83rd minute, 87th see you later 2-0 it looks like a regulation win but it was anything but yeah. and it's those games really that they have struggled with this year to convert They've, they haven't had anyone anyone at all who's looked like standing up in those games where it's a little bit difficult and saying come on lads this is only like whoever racing Santander let's go and win so do you think they'll get a like an interim guy for the rest of the season and then yeah. a proper mat it
2: like it's going to be Solari
1: Well, just before I came in, I just read that apparently the 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 plantel are not that impressed with with Solari. Sorry, who? who? Uh, The squad. The squad. Uh, Santiago Solari is the current second team coach.
2: There's a few things there, and as as you will read in today in the Independent today, uh, a few of them want Conte and Perez interests, but Conte would want more than a
1: year contract Mm
2: -hmm. because ultimately Madrid would want to go back in for Pochettino. with the Mourinho thing, I think Perez would be intrigued. We'll come back to what you're saying about the squad, that he will basically, Perez will put any decision before the key members of the squad, and there's absolutely no chance to say Ramos is going so, to yeah.
0: So Mourinho. you think Ramos would veto Mourinho. the return of Mourinho? Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I still think, my gut. I think, I think they'll get Conte.
1: Just, they'll uh, the it, it, it just seems too perfect for Conte. Like Conte just needs to get on the phone to Chelsea, sort out your severance. And then well, like, isn't he being paid a salary rather than getting a severance? Yeah, I think that's it, right? You know I mean, he he is, but like you've already got a load of money. This is the opportunity to go and manage Real Madrid. Like it's, uh, I know it's, I know it's not the usual Real Madrid job. However, he's a very good coach, Conte, and I he think, yeah, yeah, legit. Um, so if I was Conte, I'd go and get it sorted. I know Milan are sniffing around him now because um, Gattuso still a lot of question marks over if he's any good. Do you? Sorry, do you think getting Conte would preclude them getting being in the mix with Pochettino? Um,
2: depends on the sort of deal they get with, uh, with Conte, I suppose. And then you've got the
1: other right? side, Spurs. Yeah. Spurs can be really difficult, and again, if you know, if if Mourinho did go at the end of this season or, or whatever, then I guess Manchester United would, would push hard for him. Um, Quite a nice
2: situation for Pochettino. But he is ultimately Ed Woodward's ideal choice. He's Florentino Perez's ideal choice. I mean, <laughs> It's, that's that's a, a nice situation to be Two of the two what two the three biggest clubs in the world. Right.
1: Absolutely. Desperate. But but that's the work he's done. Um, and after the break, we'll, we'll discuss uh, some Champions League stuff ahead of uh, quite a big week. To uh, keep you engrossed in the indie football podcast, in part two today, we will be discussing the Champions League because it is the greatest football competition on earth, Miguel.
2: From the last sixteen on, Although it's actually been has been a good group stage this year, Yeah, I think so far.
1: So where are you? Where are you going this week? What's the What's the plan?
2: To uh, Old Trafford tomorrow or today for uh, Ronaldo's return?
1: Manchester United, Juventus—the biggest game of the week in the Champions League, probably—and and for reasons
2: for the reasons that people didn't expect either, given this story that we can't. Avoid.
1: Well, so uh, we can't avoid it. So let's talk about it. Um, do try not to say anything that's going to get us sued. In the meantime, um, what I, I what I think what I think um, is important here is, I think Man United were a little bit tone deaf in in still trying to sell this as Ronaldo's return, even after uh, no, not all the stuff, that... stuff. No, no, no. Fair enough. I mean, but that isn't really a competition. Um, juve about as tone deaf as you get i mean them and the portuguese prime minister you said or is it portuguese prime minister or president i never remember which one one of them said something terrible i think everyone else i mean we've seen the sponsors who are all um deeply concerned disheartened um their direct quotes nike ea sports all of the usual ronaldo sponsors that have kind of invested a lot of money in, basically been attached to his image, are now concerned about what that might mean for them. Uh, so the Las Vegas police have reopened their investigation into allegations made by Catherine Mayorga over an incident in 2009. Um, she alleges numerous things, uh, including a sexual assault battery, and he still vehemently denies them. And this hangs over him as he heads back to Old Trafford, Miguel. What I think... We were expecting him to go back and there to be an incredible ovation for him. I still get the impression that will probably happen. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And it might just leave a sour taste in the mouth.
2: The, the one thing about stories like this, I suppose, and maybe public perception, ultimately, regardless of the details that we have, it hasn't gone to court. Uh, and so there's no, it is not exactly. A conviction, say so. Ultimately, I think for people, I suppose that you know are necessarily invested in these stories. I won't go into the detail that we have to professionally. It just creates that grey area, which means they can still you know think think of a figure like this the way they've always done, which is as a Manchester United hero. Mm. Um, I've I've been quite intrigued by Ronaldo's mentality and how it relates to his performances through all this. Um,
1: it's hard to it's hard to gauge too much because you know he he's still playing for Juve and they're still doing well. You know it it's not necessarily a weekly challenge um, in Serie A. This will be an interesting challenge because I mean from the football point of view, this Man United team at home against Juve in the Champions League. So Juve probably the slightly stronger team. United at home. Who do you think favourites?
2: Um, two weeks ago, I we said you guys by distance. Now, oh, it's be how are you?
0: performing in Serie A at the moment? Same, just winning t- all the t- time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you? Do you see United capable of winning this? You, yeah. you have four points clear at the top of Serie A
2: Yeah, I think I think they can. United um, at home in Europe. Um, it's actually it's. I mean, even thinking about it there, it's one of those ties that actually, it's quite fascinating. Cause it's actually, even though they met so many times in the 90s, they haven't met properly. There's, there's a novelty about it again, actually. because it's, it's a it's a matchup we haven't seen
1: for a while. It's vintage, you like... It's vintage,
2: yeah, <laughs> w- w- without having... without being exhausted in that way.
1: Yeah. Do you th- do you think you have kind of passed their best? Like, the best years of this Juve team are behind us now? Well, it's an interesting question, because this has to be... They're in a win now mode, right? Yeah, but they have been for about four years. Yeah, but, and and in fact, you know, the whole point was of signing Higuain was that Higuain was the ultimate win now signing. And it's like, well, they've just trumped that with the ultimate, ultimate win now signing. Um, I mean, the thing is that Juventus and Man United can actually play out a draw here and it suits them both because of the results against Valencia. Um, So there is a chance. For, for both of them to go through which is probably good for the competition certainly good for sponsors and stuff um, but do we think Juventus are actually good enough to, to win the whole thing yes because they have they have to be this is the, you know they're built for this because it's
2: quite uh, so many teams are underperforming I, think, I still think City are the best team in Europe uh, capable of the yeah. highest levels especially this season but it's a knockout competition so and it may be in a situation that if it does come down to it Juventus's recent experience in Europe can have a bit of a
0: Bet. Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, I think City were the best team in Europe last year, but they were up against much more experienced sides. But given the crises, given the crisis at Real Madrid, the crisis at Bayern Munich, and how bad Barcelona are, yeah. like the onus on City to win it is even stronger what do, what than you, it was last year. What do you year. mean?
1: How? What do you mean Barcelona being bad? It's not very good, are they? Yeah. I mean, um, and the they're uh, still, probably. I mean, they're probably like the second best team in the Champions League at worst, exactly. like, at worst. At yeah. worst, but.
0: um... So I do think, like, Juve could be one of City's more realistic challengers,
2: Yeah, couldn't they? Yeah. Um, a good, and of course,
0: if they, I mean, and if they did play, then Juve would have the experience of having lost the 2015 and 2017 finals. Hmm. I still think Atletico Madrid are going to be in the mix oh, yeah. enormously. Like, I just think you can't... But and I think, it, I think they're one team... People talk about Liverpool, but I think City would not want to play in that to go. Yeah. the Champions League as well, whereas
2: now... Everything we're talking about in relation to teams now would matter in the course of a league season because it feeds into the table and all of that. With the Champions League, what we're saying now it could be completely irrelevant when mm-hmm. it actually means something in March. Right,
0: yeah. Because yeah, sure. like, Bar- Barca, Bayern, Real Madrid, they'll cool. kill, I mean, not Barca, but Bayern and Real Madrid could have better managers. Yeah. And then in six months' time, they could be really good. Like, how often do bad teams win the Champions League? Like, by- quite a Bayern are sticking
1: by their manager. Uh, they said they're going to sit by Niko Kovac. Uh, I mean, you presumably, you saw the absolute ludicrous stuff that Uli Hernis came out with uh, the other day, suggesting that he was going to sue some media for um, some fairly well justified criticism of Manuel Neuer, who's been rubbish so far this season, and not just like not just as in like a bit sloppy, but has like made mistakes that have contributed to goals that have caused defeats, you know, and 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 with Hummels and and, and as well, who have also made mistakes that have led to goals which have led to defeats, and then in the same uh, day on the same day. He was talking, they are talking about why he sold Juan Bernat in the summer. <laughs> and said, Bernat, on his own, cost us that game. And it was clear he was not at the level of Bayern if we want to win the Champions League. It's like, like what were you just saying about criticising players? Like, you shouldn't be allowed to criticise players? Um, wind your neck in. But Bayern are not, for me, even close. to It's like they look old and slow. Kind of what you worry about with Juve that they've got too many old players they've got too many there's not enough but old work. players can win the Champions League but where's the vibrancy where's the dynamism In at a time when football has never been so dynamic
2: there's actually that, that Munich generation ok they wouldn't work up obviously but in terms of the club game should they regret not winning whatever the, the debate about Pep Guardiola there but that generation yeah. really yeah. there have been so many Champions times
0: League. yeah to have only won one Champions League in this decade mm is incredible, because every year they get to the semi-final, I always look at them on paper and think, these guys are going to win. They, they've got great players in every position, and they always screw up. They always yeah. end up losing in, like, hilarious circumstances in the semis. Twice they've been
2: robbed against the Red Dead, to be fair. We,
0: yeah. yeah, so the, which one do you mean? Uh,
2: they were last, last season, well, actually two seasons ago, when they, they got well beaten at home, but then came back brilliantly, and had it was it was right in the balance it was 2-1 to Munich oh, yeah. in Madrid so it was three all night and then two big decisions went against them and then Charlie was fuming afterwards and then last season when they actually they pushed Madrid right to the limit um, yeah. in the semis uh, having did they lose the oh, the first leg again I think they did.
1: they're there's not a team that I, I think that they so when I went to you know, against Gladbach you kind of you, I always try and talk to the local journalists who cover the team all the time to try and get a bit of like a take-a-temperature sort of thing. And all of them, the thing that pretty much everyone said was like that they should have renewed the squad in the summer. And they were close to doing it, and they kind of just put it off for one more year. It's kind of amazing that Robin and Ribéry are still in the team. Yeah. But, but Ribéry came off the bench and was uh, their best player in that game. Like, Ribéry still adds a little bit of drive and spark. But Robin was dreadful. I mean, as predictable and obviously a Robin performance as you could ever see. Ball came to him a few times on the flank. Like they just showed him, they showed him the outside. He, he kind of fainted to the outside. Fainted, like, tried to cut inside. Yep, thank you very much. I'll take the ball off you and walk away. And he just doesn't have the speed even to. Yeah. Uh, he can't go down the line against a player. He can only cut inside. Uh, he doesn't have the speed even to kind of leave someone in their wake. Like which, when he was 23, but still looked like 40, he could zip inside and then kind of run in field and then, and and he had different angles to pass with and now he's just got nothing
2: H- hammers who I do like but he is kind of um
1: he's unpopular there very unpopular yeah. really? uh, <laughs> he's basically
2: the sort of signing you would never have, ex- have associated with munich mm-hmm. it. it's an indulgence signing he's a bit slow he's kind of it's it's all about it's a bit all about glamour um even though I think there is, there is genuinely more to him but he does kind of take the zip out of that team a little bit really yeah
1: um yeah and, and the other thing was that they're playing, him, they're playing him in games where they're like, we need to break someone down, we need to find a pass to unlock a stacked defence and he's not doing it. Like, the ball comes to him in that perfect number 10 spot and then he just kind of sprays it wide. Yeah.
2: Actually, uh, when did, uh, this was a, when he did a piece last week about Van Madden being in the wrong place at the wrong time, a perfect example of that is actually James. Shouldn't have gone to Real Madrid in yeah, 2014. He reached, he was, his career was in the ascendancy and he went to a club where there was just no obvious place. For he him. was
1: on a Ballon d'Or trajectory at that point, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Um Anything else you want to say? Because I need to be out of here in two minutes' time. <laughs> um. I'm looking forward to PSV Eindhoven
0: against Tottenham Hotspur on Wednesday, which is an absolute must-win for Tottenham. Um, yeah, they're on zero points after, in their group. Yeah, Inter after and those Barcelona two defeats six. So far, uh, which they didn't play that badly in either game. Um, but they're going to have to do better. Uh, they, they they basically have to win to stay in
1: the mix. But I'm kind of backing them to grind it out. Yeah, yeah. And um, next weekend some big games coming up, including the Classico. Uh, you're at Palace Arsenal. Yeah. And then the Monday night is Tottenham versus Man City. So I guess next Monday we will preview Tottenham Manchester City, even though it won't have much of a shelf life. Um And we will review the Classico. We'll probably talk about Julien Lopetegui sacking. Holiday, holiday, I hope not.
0: Why would it... Be? Since when were they back holidays? It In late not. October. Yeah. Um oh.
1: So miguel has only lived here for like six seven years now and still not adjusted but thank you for joining us um as ever uh, thank you to our sponsors that's right we don't have any sponsors uh thank you to Acast who host the podcast thank you to uh, all the people that help with the production that would be just us um and uh jack miguel thank you for coming Thank you. Thank until you. next week uh remember to subscribe rate review and uh, we'll see you then goodbye